Today, this is Jesus. He's coming back. That's the title. Oh, I'm glad. Some people are happy about that. Okay. Massive, massive subject that I'm going to try and tackle in the next few minutes. But Jesus is coming back. Let's read some great scriptures. I mean, there's many scriptures that we, that we could read. Um, but I'm going to read, first of all, from Thessalonians. So this is Jesus. He's coming back. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's the Bible's language for, for dying. It's because dying sometimes has the sense of separation, but those who fall asleep are in Christ, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And then over to the last book of the Bible, and right near the end, Revelation chapter 21. Just going to jump around a little bit, a few verses. Firstly, uh, verse 1, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. By the way, as someone who loves the sea, I don't think it literally... The sea in the Bible talks about separation. Okay? I believe there will be sea in heaven if there's not, Lord. But I know that my eyes will be on Jesus. I'll be okay. But I believe there will be sea because it's so beautiful. I don't believe there will be separation. I saw the holy city, the new personal theology coming out there. I saw, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with mankind. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Just jump across, to chap- uh, across the page, chapter 22. The angel showed me the river of water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down through the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood, three, uh, th- stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more nights. There will no need of light of lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord God of the spirits and the prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And then verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, this book of Revelation. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away words from the book of this prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Lord, We thank you for your grace, as we looked at it last week. Undeserved, restored relationship with you, with the Father and with the Spirit. We thank you for the hope that we have. We just pray today as we look at your words and unpack it just in these few moments. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Help us. Lift our heads, Lord. Lift our perspective and our understanding that we might see you in your glory and know your promises to us. So we ask it in your precious name. Amen. How many of you remember May 2011? (laughs) It's eight years ago, scarily. Some of you? May. If I I said to you, 80-year-old Christian radio presenter called Harold Camping. Can anybody remember Harold Camping? Harold Camping made an announcement. It was on the national news. He announced that Judgment Day was going to strike at 6 o'clock on the last Saturday evening in May, May the 21st. Is it ringing some bells now? Do you vague some people? No, it passed you by. Well, as far as we know, it it didn't happen. Um, He did go missing for a day or two. It turned out he was in a hotel somewhere. Now, to his credit... He did reappear at the beginning of June uh, and he apologised and he said that he'd miscalculated uh, and that it had dawned on him that God would spare humanity um, uh, of, of hell on earth for another five months and that the apocalypse was in fact going to happen on October the 21st. Now, again, I think that may have passed some of you by, um, but as far as I know, it didn't happen. But... Just say, just say that Jesus was coming back in mid-October. 
I suggest there are some important things that we would need to be doing. Many people that we would need to tell to get ready. But perhaps because all of us know that even Jesus himself said, no one knows the day or the hour, we tend to let these things just pass us by. Perhaps even to feel a bit sorry for a poor deluded man like Harold Camping. Now there's always been huge discussion about the end times. Some of you, I'm sure, will have taken part in many such discussions. What will happen? How long will it take before it happens? Who will be there when it happens? And who won't? I had a childhood that was consumed by the end times. I was brought up very much with, uh, in a church context uh, where the end times was talked much about. Particularly, I was brought up with the word rapture. How many of you remember rapture and know the word rapture? Uh, my mum used to talk about when the rapture happens. And I have to tell you, I remember as a little boy being extremely frightened about the rapture mainly because that somehow I was going to miss it. Um, uh, I would be left behind, to quote. Now, actually, you can buy books called Left Behind. You can even watch a film called Left Behind. And it's based on a particular position regarding the, the rapture. I remember at Bible college hearing a story of a man who very strongly believed in a particular theological position on the rapture, and his fellow students um, played a very cruel trick on him. Um, They emptied the entire halls of residence. They actually left piles of clothes and shoes. They left taps running, cups tipped over, and and then they all hid. And this poor man came back, and uh, he thought that the rapture had happened, and He was very cross with them, as you can imagine. (laughs) I was quite frightened by it as a child. Now, I've come to understand that God is good, as we sang today. He's with me and for me, and that I have a place with him in eternity, and I know that. I have an assurance. But there's a huge amount of debate and discussion much of which I don't have time, you'll probably be glad uh, to get into today. But there are some things I want to say. The bottom line is this. The Bible is very clear. Over 300 times it tells us Jesus is coming back. And that we will meet the Lord face to face. Whether as those who have died in Christ or of those who are still around when he comes, we will all meet the Lord face to face. And whether people know it or believe it or not, it is the ultimate and most significant event that all of history is moving towards, the completion of this present age. Again, as someone who grew up in the 60s and the 70s and so on, it will not finish with a cataclysmic nuclear fallout or a meteor strike or because some terrible sickness wipes out the whole of the world's population, whatever the films might tell you. The truth which the Bible declares, which is the firm belief of all Christians down through history, is that the king is coming back. 
And as we read in those very last verses of the Bible in Revelation, Revelation declares it to be soon. I want to suggest to you that if it was soon then, it must be even more soon now. For the Christian believer, at least, this is not something that should cause us to be frightened or to panic. But something to be looked forward to, indeed with peace and with joy. Hebrews 9, verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once and for all to take away the sin of many people. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who, in the words of the ESV, eagerly wait for him. Are you eagerly waiting for the Lord? (laughs) He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly waiting for him. Question I want to ask you this morning, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? How then should we live in the light of this imminent Return, there's a word that you sometimes hear, the imminence of God. We don't know the day or the hour. Probably come back to that in a few moments. But it it was soon at the book of Revelation. It is soon. Let's give a quick brief overview. In John chapter 16, Jesus very clearly said to his disciples that he was going. But it was after that that he told them in John 14 why he was going. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he assured them that he was definitely going to come back to take them to be with him where he was. Jesus is currently absent in bodily form. And yet he is very much present with us in the person of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit comforts us and encourages us and assures us of God's continual presence with us. That's why we want to keep praying for one another to be filled with the Spirit. That's why we're offering prayer week by week. Susan and others in the team, we're saying, look, over here, there are people to pray for you. If you've got doubts, if you've got fears, if you've got concerns, we want to pray. We want to pray that you can know assurance. We want to pray that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can know that Christ is with you. More than that, Scripture says it speaks of being in you. That's why we want to keep praying for one another. It's also important to understand that we don't just have the Holy Spirit instead of Jesus. Christ is with us. Colossians 1 talks about, you can actually look at the translation, it says with, but it also speaks of the original translation of being in us. There's the sense of Christ in us. The church is also the body of Christ here on earth. You say, well, where is Jesus? He's here right here among us, because he's in each one of us. We are, you are, the body of Christ, Paul says. Each one of you is part of it, amen? That's why when some of you are missing, uh, and I know there's good reasons to be missing and, and being away, and that's fine, but Paul, the Scripture encourages us, make sure you come together, make sure you meet together, because you are the body of Christ, you need each other. That's what we're going to be saying in the Better Together series after April. We need each other. Because Christ is in us, and so we can be Christ to one another, the hands and feet of Christ to one another. Amen? 
So you are the body of Christ on here, here on earth. So Jesus is at work in your place, uh, workplace, because you are there. Jesus is in your school, your college, your, your neighborhood. Jesus in, is with you because you are there. Although there's a real absence of Christ in his bodily form, there is the presence of Christ here on earth today through his people and through his church, the bride of Christ. And this bride, this people, is waiting in eager anticipation. It's waiting for his return. His arrival will not only be visible to the church of that day, it will be visible to the whole world. And it will not be in some floaty, uh, floaty spirit kind of form, but the very real appearance of Jesus in all his glorified humanity. Luke records in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel said to the disciples, this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. You will recognize him. You will know him. You will see him. Now, there are, there are three key words that the New Testament uses for the return of Christ, which are helpful for to us to look at very quickly. Firstly is the word parousia. Okay? The word parousia. It has the, the sense of the arrival of a royal visitor. Thank you, John. John has been an absolute star today. He's put all this on a PowerPoint for me. So uh, round of applause to John. Thank you, John. Well done. Okay. So if the Queen were about to make a visit to cows, and I think she probably has done in the past. Does anybody remember the Queen coming to cows? Yeah? Okay. But we could speak of her parousia. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 1, concerning the coming, the parousia of our Lord Jesus Christ, the anticipated arrival of the sovereign king. Okay? That's the first one. Secondly, epiphania. Epiphania. The sense of appearance, again, linked with royalty, but this time in the sense of the sovereign appearing to receive acclamation. Again, just to keep the theme with the Queen, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever stood outside Buckingham Palace and waited for her to come on the balcony. I'm sure we've all seen it uh, on the television. My mum was a real royalist, and she used to drag us up to London for every, every royal event. And I can remember standing there as a little boy, desperately trying to see if I could see something, um, some, 70s, some 70s cerise colour or other that was there on the, uh, on the balcony. But the epiphania, the appearing as of the roar of the crowd, the, the adulation, the acclamation. Okay? So 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 speaks of the splendour of Christ's appearing when he comes. And then thirdly, apocalupsis. Apocalupsis. Greg, I should get you to pronounce it. <laughs> it means to uncover, in the sense of unveiling, of, of revealing glory. When a sovereign wears a crown, royal robes, carrying a scepter, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7 speaks of the day when the Lord is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with all his powerful angels. 
With these three words, it tells us that Jesus will come again. His parents will draw acclamation from all the people of the world. And it will be a day when his glory and his majesty are revealed. Hallelujah. Now, as I said, there is some debate about the exact order of the events. But there are a number of key truths that are accepted by everyone who believes in Christ's return. We mentioned a couple already. Firstly, Jesus is certainly coming back. You find it right through the Bible, almost every book of the New Testament. The early church lived with a sense of anticipation of that return. Jesus is coming back. Secondly, the way Christ returns is commonly agreed. It will be a, a personal return. It will certainly be glorious and it will be visible for all. Thirdly, there's a very clear purpose in Christ's return. And that's what I I want to come to really uh, for the rest of our time. He's not just coming back because he said he would. There are specific things to be accomplished. He will wind up present history and bring in eternity. The church will be married to Christ. Revelation 19 verse 7. We talked already this morning about the bride of Christ, haven't we? All mankind will be judged. Revelation 20 verse 12. All creation will be transformed. A new heaven, thank you. A new heaven and a new earth. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 13. Oh, there's a glass down there. Sorry, you have that back, I'll have the glass. Oh, no, sorry. Okay. In other words, nothing and nobody will be unaffected by the return of Jesus Christ. Apart from the odd exception, the other main thing that most of us are agreed on is that no one knows when Jesus will return. What we can say with confidence is that his return is closer now than it was. What do we do about that? What's the application for today? Well, again, I ask the question, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord Jesus? If the Lord Jesus Christ returned today and asked you the question, why should I let you into heaven what would your answer be? If your answer has anything to do with you, or what you have done, or not done, I want to humbly tell you, you will never find a way through that way. But if your answer has to do with Him, your belief and total reliance on what he has done, on his death on the cross, his forgiveness that he bought for you, the price that he paid, then I have the privilege of telling you that that way is opened up for you to enter in to eternal life. If you've not yet surrendered your life to Christ, if you've not yet acknowledged your sin before Him, I invite you today to know and be sure that the door is wide open for you to walk in that city, to walk down that street with that glorious river and all those pictures that you read. But it's not by your works, as we were talking last week. It's not by your effort. It's by His grace. 
through faith, believing in Jesus Christ. So I invite you today, if you've not yet, if you're not sure, today is a day. Come and talk to me afterwards if you want to talk it through. Talk to someone that you know. In the light of Christ's return, each one of us need to seriously consider the claims of Christ. If he is Lord, then nothing else, no one else, no other thing is. He came fully man and fully God to show us the way to the Father. In fact, to be the way himself. To die in our place, to take our punishment that was because of his grace. Brothers and sisters, we cannot save up club points to get into heaven. To earn his love, to earn his forgiveness. However hard we try, we will never have enough. Our salvation, our forgiveness is a free gift of God. Hallelujah. There is a day coming when we will have to give an account of how we have responded to that gift that has been held out to us. But if we're clear on our answer to the first question, the second question is, then how do we live in the light of this imminent return? Well, the first thing I want to say is that we're to walk through today with a future perspective. Walk through today with a future perspective. It's vital to keep our eyes lifted and looking to the future and what's happening then because Jesus coming back gives us an assurance for now. It gives us an assurance for now. Just talking to, with Yvonne in the, in the coffee lounge just now just about life and things that happen in life. Jackie and I heard some news of a, uh, a previous colleague that Jackie knew in, in Swindon. My two daughters work with her closely. A young mum, uh, wonderful in the midst of life, probably late 20s, maybe early 30s, but not very old at all. Giving birth to a baby and all this wonderful celebration. She has a thrombosis and she dies in the midst of life. And, and we say, oh, well, you know, when you get to a certain age and stage and so on. But actually, it can happen to any of us at any time. It's the reality. And so, as we're walking through life, we want to live and we want to help others to understand this is, there is more than we see here. This is not all that there is. And so we have a, a perspective on life. We have a perspective on the future. It gives us an assurance. It gives us a hope that there is something more we're going towards. The battles and the struggles that many of us will be facing today, whether it be in health or finance or relationships, they won't always be like this. The day is coming when it will be different, when everything will be changed. We read, didn't we, in Revelation 21. We can put that up again. You know those verses well. You've heard them read. You will have read them yourself. You'll have heard them at different times. Just leave them there for a moment. He will wipe away every tear. No more death. No more mourning. Crying and pain. Jesus coming back brings a different perspective on life now. So we live today in the light of eternity. 
We fix our eyes on an eternal perspective. And so, actually, we don't let the present situation drag us down. It is easy. It does happen. It can happen quite quickly. Situations, things can happen to us in all sorts of ways, and we can find ourselves looking down. We can internalize. And yet the invitation to us is to lift our heads and to see with an eternal perspective. What we see now is not all that there is. And so people will say, how can you be like this in this situation? You find yourself in this situation and yet there's a peace, yet there's a hope, yet there's even a joy in your circumstances. It's Because I have an eternal perspective, this is not all that there is. It's an eternal hope where all things are made new. It's what the Apostle Paul calls in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, our blessed hope. Our blessed hope. We have a hope. A blessed hope. You will notice I've not mentioned the B word very much at all over these last few months, but I will just mention it now. Whether it is the total confusion an argument over Brexit, or the even more serious challenges that are affecting our world today, like horrific war, climate change and all of its effects, pollution, people trafficking, and so on and so on. Now, people are trying to bring an answer. They're trying to bring hope. But brothers and sisters, I want to say this. Shalom... True peace will never be completely achieved by sinful men and sinful women's best efforts. It never will. It's only the breaking in of God through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that will bring true peace and true reconciliation. And with that comes a hope of an ultimate future breaking in, which is that Jesus will return. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be working in politics or in education and health and so on. Of course they should. And we need to pray for every Christian who's involved in that, particularly those who are right here in this body, in all sorts of ways, involved. We need to pray. But actually, it needs to come with the context of my perspective is even my best efforts today will fail, but he will never fail. He is returning. He is coming back. And it shapes my thinking. It shapes my attitude as I look at the mess, whatever mess you look at, I look at the pain, I look at the suffering, and I pray for it, and I pray for God to break in, but I'm looking with an eternal perspective also. Again, just want to remind us, it's not some floaty image that we're looking towards. We're all drifting along on some fluffy cloud wearing white nighties and and playing a harp. Okay, the scripture talks, I mean, there's a big subject that can't really get into it today, but scripture talks about a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to get a hallelujah with the next phrase, and new bodies. (laughs) I believe scripture shows us that there's, there's something very solid something very real, something very renewed and restored into perfection about it. 
I had a lecturer at, at Bible college who used to talk about the places that you've never visited, you'll be able to visit. And even the planets, you'll be able to go and see because the whole thing will be a new heaven, new earth, whole thing restored. I, I don't know which scripture he got that from, but I, I, I've always, it's always inspired me. No more sin, no more pollution, no more politics. <laughs> no, more de- no more decay, no more death. It's real comfort. brings peace and assurance because there is a hope. The knowledge of Jesus coming back brings a different perspective to life now. The knowledge that Jesus is coming back changes also, therefore, our motivations. So we're no longer just living for the moment, living for self, trying to grab all I can right now because I've only got one short life. It's one short life to enjoy everything. But the knowledge of Jesus' return and the gift of eternal life, it changes my motives. It changes my drivers. With an eternal perspective, I have a freedom to live for his glory now. Freedom to live by faith, to be bold and courageous Again, I'm not speaking against saving and having savings, but I recognize that for many, there is a sense of which I'm investing into eternity. I'm sending it on ahead. It's not all about now. It isn't just about satisfying myself now. I'm investing into eternity. I'm longing that many others might know the same truth that I know. And so I I give into that with my time and my money and my effort and so on. I live for his glory, freedom to live by faith, to be bold and courageous, to be generous. My attitude, my time and my possessions, it changes totally. My priorities, my investments change in the light of eternity. Something to think through. The knowledge of Jesus coming back brings a different perspective on life now. It changes our motivations. The knowledge of Jesus coming back motivates us to share the gospel, the good news, with others. Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus told us that the gospel will go to all people groups before the end. And in Revelation 7, we see worshippers before the throne in heaven who come from every people group of the world. It's a clear picture of what is going to happen, I believe. It's also a clear picture of what hasn't yet happened. And so as his church, we have a commission to get on with it. I love the fact that we are part of a family of churches called Regions Beyond because it's always before us. It's a bit like having the mission hall. Somebody said to me, maybe we should change the name of the mission hall. But, um, you know, names, names. But actually the fact it's called the mission hall just keeps on reminding us what we're about. That was the building that came first. It was the mission hall. We're part of a family called Regions Beyond. Apostle Paul says, I need to go to those who don't yet know Christ. Jesus is coming back. They're not reached yet. We need to keep reaching out. But some might say, just as I finish, why the delay? 2,000 years has already gone by. Look at the state of the world. Look at the rejection of God and of his son. Why doesn't he just bring it all to an end now? I want to tell you why. It's because of his grace. It's because of his grace. Today is the day of salvation. There's another day. 
As the sun rises, there's another day to know him. But Jesus is coming back soon. 2 Peter 3, 8 to 10. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything it will be laid bare. We're living in the day of his grace. For how long? We don't know. There is a day, there is a time coming when Christ will return. Not only as the magnificent, glorious King and Saviour, but also as the righteous judge of the earth. 1 Peter 4 verse 7, they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. As we preach the good news, as we reach out in compassion to those in need, as we see people healed in response to prayer, as we pull down strongholds of evil, as we go to the regions beyond, to the ends of the earth, as we build the local church, we do so in the light of the fact Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that is, but it is sooner than when Jesus first said it. I invite you to stand. There are two uh, communion tables here. Um, After I've finished, I'd love us just to respond if you'd like to. Take communion, pray for one another. There'll be people here to pray for you. just want to say again, I don't want anyone to go from this place in fear other than the right biblical fear of God. If you're not sure, you can be sure. If you're uncertain, peace can come to you today. I believe that. I'd love to pray for you in that. There is a day that all creation's waiting for. A day of freedom and liberation for the earth. On that day, the Lord will come to meet his bride. When we see him, in an instant, we will be changed. Trumpet sounds, the dead will then be raised. By his power, never to perish again. Once only flesh, now clothed with immortality. Death has now been swallowed up in victory. We will meet him in the air. Then we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Oh, yes. Then all hurt and pain will cease, and we will be with him forever. And in his glory, we will live. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So lift your eyes to the things as yet unseen. Things that will remain now for all eternity. Though trouble is hard, it's only momentary. It's achieving our 
future glory. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the great truth. Jesus is coming back. We thank you for the hope that that gives us. We thank you for the assurance that that gives us. We also are challenged and provoked by our perspective right now. We pray, Lord, where we're hard, would you soften us? Where we've become complacent, would you arrest us and draw our attention and our gaze back to you? Where our minds have got drawn into the present age and issues of today and meeting our needs today, Lord God, would you shift our minds and shift our perspectives into that eternal hope. For any who are fearful, I pray for your peace. For any who are uncertain, Lord, I pray, come with the wonderful clarity of your presence. Help us to live in the light of the truth that you are coming back. And Lord, we pray for those who don't yet know you, those of our family, our friends, our colleagues, We pray, Lord, that we would not be driven by condemnation, but your grace would motivate us. The love of of your heart, your passion for those who don't yet know you. Oh God, may we be driven to share this good news. May we be uh, enabled to give hope to those around us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.